that was and today a little different format to the podcast because we have a guest nathan barnett wow i can't believe you got that guy i know it's hard to believe that i actually secured him mm-hmm. for the podcast mm-hmm. i had to walk all of the 30 feet to the other side of the house to say hey do you want to be on a podcast well first no no well let me preface that First it was, hey, I'm going to make a podcast. And then it was you saying, I also want to now make a podcast. And then it was figuring out how to make a podcast. And then I said, do you want to be on my podcast? And you said, yeah, you can be on my podcast too. There we go. Even trade. So You're lucky because I had a dump scheduled for right now. And I moved it for you. Well, I bowel moved it for you. Lucky for you, I have a compelling case. This is another... This is an on compel a turd out of me. It might. It just might. This is gonna be spooky, like this messed one... up spooky. Because you're list- you like demented stuff. You're like no. Nexpo. Which is why I thought this one was a good one for you. Okay, because good. this this one is basically it has all the makings of a, of an action movie nice. that never it's point break. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Basically. Oh, okay. So it's not spooky, it's just it's just a mystery or something. It's a mystery. It's, it's an, an unsolved un- it's mystery. It's an unbelievable mystery. Unbelievable. Sorry, I'm not... It's the name of the show. I basically just said the name of the other show. You said the name of a t- show You're your not- competitor. Yeah, I know. It's my... Com- yeah, seriously. It's my competitor. It's 30- yeah, unsolved mystery. Tom's competitor show. I mean, they did bring that show back. That's what I mean. You know, it's your competitor. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it, it is... They're beating you in ratings. I mean... Definitely, but now that you got me on the show, <laughs> right? Instead of having six viewers or six, or six listeners, they'll still be beating. Instead you. of six listeners, I'll have twenty listeners this time. Yeah, all my the eighteen people showed up. Yeah, I mean, I'll I I, I will definitely take it for sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Thanks I for have being to cough on. And I don't want to do it because I have the mic. Because you have yeah, because we have microphones on. I'm gonna like turn and. It's just an itch in my throat. I swear, it's not Corona. So you guys, yeah, I definitely hope. There we go. Imagine it was this that easy. All you have to do to get your Corona out is sneeze, and it's gone. That's it. Or cough. It just leaves leaves your body. Yeah, but it's it's only one person at a time can have it, and someone always has to have it. It's like it follows. It's like it follows. Like you could, I could sneeze, and that sneeze is gonna drift somewhere, and it's gonna go to someone. Someone's gonna get it, and then they have to sneeze and get to someone else. But as long as you have it. It's miserable. 
I don't That's want what Corona it. should be. So when they do the sequel, they should make it like this. I don't want the sequel. It's a lot more interesting. I don't want to have. I once once it's over, I don't want I don't want us to be around ever again. There's always a sequel. Yeah. Sometimes the sequel is not as good. It's never as good. I mean, Termin- this this well, one's getting ter- more views. Well, Terminator sure. Two. Terminator Two is tight. Aliens. I do like Terminator One more. Aliens though. is better than Alien, in my opinion. I'm trying to. It's Alien of- is the one. Aliens is that when she has the yellow thing at the she's in the big yellow machine. Yeah. That's cool. The first one's definitely better. I mean, it, I think it's a matter of. Wait, opinion. you're saying Aliens Two is better? I like Aliens. But you're liking Aliens, which is Alien Two, right? Yeah. But I know that. Th- but but they're both very good. I haven't watched both the very sequel in a while, but like I've seen the first one a hundred million times and I love it. So they're both good. Yeah, we can leave both it both tight. We're just gonna say they're one long movie. Basically, yeah, and then we'll just and forget. Terminator is the same thing, and then we'll just forget Alien Three and Four exist. Alien Three is when she's on prison. Yeah, and we'll forget the Prometheus was ever made. So you always say that. I know we're not even getting to your topic. Here. We're getting off topic here. But got, Prometheus, I thought was pretty tight. Like that big man, the big nude man was cool. Prometheus was okay as a as a standalone movie, but it shouldn't have been an alien movie. Well, it's in the universe, so I guess it's kind of an alien movie. Yeah. Well, anyway. This anyway, is a, Roger Rabbit's cooler. Roger Rabbit's cooler. This th- this is all the topic of, of a totally different po- a film podcast. Sorry, this is what you get when you have me on. I'm I know. Try just, really hard not to talk while you're speaking. Well, you can talk if you have. A, yeah. So let me I'll only it. react when I think it's necessary. So this is going to be a case. I thought it was good. This would be. A, I thought this would be the best episode that I have written to have you on because it's not super spooky. It's just a cool mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like cool mysteries. I also <clears throat> there's a heist involved. I and think. there's a heist. I like heist. Heists are so. Tight. Have you heard about the case of D.B. Cooper? I think I've only heard you going off about it at some point last year or something. Okay. And I was like, uh, I probably wasn't even paying attention, but I, so I don't really know what you're going to tell me. Well, here, so I'm going to tell you a little story. That's how this is going to work. So the case of D.B. Cooper started on Thanksgiving Eve 1971 when a reportedly middle-aged, relatively normal-looking man carrying a black briefcase walked up to the ticket counter of Portland International Airport, a place that we have both been to, and bought a one-way ticket. I had a Mai Tai there once (laughs) with Aaron when we landed to shoot Milford. We shoot in the short film Milford, which is coming out soon. It should be coming out soon. It's in the Woods Hole Film Festival right now. Uh, That, this is no point in telling the story, but Aaron's like, we're here. Gotta get a beer. So he got an IPA or something at the airport. Yeah, because I was like, well, I'm gonna try and join myself too. So I got... I might hide. I mean, <laughs> that's my story about the Portland Airport. The Portland Airport. This is true. There's I think a movie it, theater in there. It has a movie theater in there. It just got dethroned, I think, by Idaho. But for six years in a row, it was voted America's best airport. It's cool. It's a very nice. Things airport. that other airports don't. It has do. a movie theater, restaurants, all the, sorts the, of stuff. The way the, the the where the area was that the bar thing was we're at was like unusual to me. It was just standing in the middle of nowhere. They have a piano player that's always there. That's cool, classic. It's a very nice airport. If you're ever, if, I mean, once Corona's and over and you're able to fly, you can go there and steal billions of dollars or whatever this guy's doing. Okay, let's get back into that. So. This guy, relatively normal. Just picture a businessman. Mm-hmm. Generic Go, standard businessman. Generic standard. And, and, and that'll... Right off the assembly line. And that'll actually help later on when we try to figure out his identity. Because it's kind of... He was very generic looking. Oh, I'm going to figure this out. So he bought a one-way ticket bound for Seattle for 20 bucks. That's how much it cost back then. Very wow. cheap. And this was before strict airline regulations. So there was no TSA... Not even metal detectors this time. You just walked up to the counter and bought your ticket. 
Wow. Slap down your cash. Just like getting on a bus. Yeah. So the man, he, you didn't put down a name. So he put down the name Dan Cooper. Uh-huh. And this is where there's a lot of misinformation. So D.B. Cooper, that was misreported at the time. His name that he put down wasn't D.B. Cooper. It was reporters reported it as D.B. Cooper because they misheard information. But the name he actually put down was Dan Cooper. Okay. So the name put down was Dan Cooper. And the man then boarded uh, the 727 aircraft, which is like a pretty standard small you know, yeah. passenger aircraft, uh, for the 30-minute flight for Seattle, took his seat. And uh, his seat was 18C towards the rear of the aircraft. The plane was only at one-third capacity, so picking a seat was not a problem. It also wasn't as crowded, so there weren't quite as many witnesses. It was just like this dude got on. He was one of the last, if not the last, passenger to board. He got a seat right at the back. Okay. So there weren't a ton of people who, like, saw him, you know? Like, they didn't. there wasn't a whole plane full of people that all saw this guy. Yeah. Um, the man wasn't particularly striking. If anything, he was totally ordinary. And this will come into play for sure. It wasn't hot. It wasn't hot. He could have been any other of 1,000 businessmen, because this was on Thanksgiving Eve, heading home for the holidays. Oh, yeah, perfect time to blend in. Exactly. He was clad in a cheap dark suit, overcoat, clip-on black tie, black basic briefcase, and uh, his dark, wavy hair combed to one side. And uh, once I he mean, got it could have been a clone. Could have been a clone. He, and that once, might even be a real human. And once he got on the flight, put on sunglasses, dark sunglasses. That's what you do in the house. I, you know, I this could is be the him. thing I need to tell you all about Tom. Tom comes out of his room, I want to say morning, but it's not the morning, but it's like <laughs> when he's getting up and getting, leaving the, his bedroom. He walks out of his room, and he's, his room is dark because his curtains are closed, and he's got the cyber zone in there with all his neon gamer lights. He walks out of his room in the morning wearing sunglasses. Because it's bright in California. <laughs> We're in Los Angeles. It's bright in the but morning. But in the there. house, it's regular. It's the same as any state or town. It's extra. The sun here is is blinding. Well, I guess I can understand why you'd wear them in the morning. You just wake up. Maybe your retinas have to re- adjust. But tell me this: Why do you then wear them when the sun is down at night in the house? Because I don't want the moon to also blind me. The moon. <laughs> I think it's extra bright in California. We have two options. You're a vampire. Or I'm D.B. Cooper. Or you just robbed some plane. Ah. Well, maybe maybe, maybe I'll be one of the suspects that you can guess here. Mm. So he's one of any other thousand businessmen heading home for the holidays. Uh, puts on his sunglasses. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. Understandable. It's still bright outside. It's, yeah, for a guy like you. Yeah. The stranger ordered a bourbon and 7-Up. A, re- a relatively sophisticated drink at the time. That. You could be like D.B. Cooper. I've never heard of that. What is bourbon? <laughs> no, I'm just he kidding. ordered a bourbon and 7-Up, and uh, which was a sophisticated drink for the time. So everybody's like, oh, you know. He, he did a businessman. Makes he didn't, sense. He didn't just order a beer. He ordered a businessman drink. Yeah, he ordered the biz drink. He, he ordered the biz fizz, man. He got that 7-Up. He ordered the biz fizz. He got the freaking biz fizz. That's my style. And reportedly, he was also well-spoken, polite, and composed. He wasn't nervous. That's another thing that people report. He wasn't nervous. He wasn't rude. He was very polite, composed, like, seemed like... What the heck is he about to do? Nothing was phasing him. But, as we'll soon see, this flight would be much more harrowing for the crew of flight number 305 than they initially expected. Oh, boy, he stunk up the bathroom, didn't he? He probably, I mean, <laughs> he, probably, he, had, he had a burrito at Portland International Airport. Yeah, that biz fizz turned up his guts after that burrito. <laughs> a short time later, the man known as Dan Cooper, 
handed stewardess Florence Schaffner a note. She was seated in the jump seat nearest him. Many other businessmen had handed her similar type oh notes. Oh my gosh, for real? Oh, because they're like hitting on her. So she thought number. that she thought that he was just hitting on her. Mm-hmm. So gosh, poor and lady. then poor lady. he was frustrated, and he leaned over and whispered to her, "Miss, you better have a look at that note. I have a bomb." Ooh. Because she just ignored it. He thought that he thought that. She thought it was like his business card's number or something. She just took it and it was like, yeah, sure. Oh, another creep. Another creep. Wow. Well, this is a deadly creep, lady. It's a deadly creep. So the stewardess read the note after, uh, which time Cooper asked Schaffner to have a seat next to her. The exact contents of the note are lost to time since Cooper did reclaim the note. He took the note back. He took all the evidence. Oh. Um, That's smart. It's very smart I like of him. this guy. But she recalled. What, what are you going to do? Blow the plane up? Well, you'll see. Uh, he re- she recalled that it was written in a clean felt tip black pen um, and uh, after that she asked if she could see the bomb and he obliged Cooper opened the briefcase revealing eight sticks of dynamite later thought to possibly be flares not actually dynamite attached to a detonator or a detonator like device mm. so she, she asked to see it he showed it to her and uh, then after that Cooper had, so it's very clear that Cooper had the means to bring down the entire aircraft and was saying he was willing to do so if, he, if his demands were not met. $200,000 in unmarked bills, four parachutes. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I always hear unmarked bills. What does that mean? What is an unmarked bill? Like they're just. Can they mark a bill to track it or yeah, something? Yeah, they could mark a bill to track it. So they he, don't do that to all bills? No. Well, this is like, so there, there's no sort of like extra identifiable characteristic that's been added to this bill. Well, just, how do you know you have to check every single bill? You'd have to look at it. But he, but uh, so there's some talk about this that it was a known thing in like crime movies that mm. you always asked for unmarked bills. Oh. So a lot of people think that he might have just said, I want unmarked bills. Yeah. Like he wasn't maybe a master criminal. He just asked for the unmarked that's bills. that's what he hears in movies. Yeah. Did ever, did any criminals ever say, I don't care what kind, just give me some money. Well, I think that's the thing. He was saying, I wanted, I want unmarked bills. But something that I do think was smart is that his second demand, he asked for four parachutes. So it's theorized that if he had just asked for one parachute, they could have rigged the parachute. Exactly. But he asked for four. So the FBI and stuff, yeah, the FBI and stuff thought that he was going to ask for hostage or he's going to take hostages. Exactly. So you don't want, you don't want to mess one of them up. Exactly. So he asked for four parachutes, which was smart. And then uh, he also asked for a fuel truck to be waiting for them in Seattle. The instructions were then relayed to the pilot, William A. Scott, who alerted the authorities on the ground. So this is all happening in the air right now. In the 30-minute flight. And the, and the woman is telling the pilots, and she, the pilots are talking she, to her. Yeah, she, she confirms there's a bomb. She goes to the cockpit, relays the information. Does anyone on the plane know this right now? Cooper kept it quiet. Because as I said, those people might fight him. Exactly. So he kept it quiet. This was all like he whispered to Schaffner and he was like, I have a bomb. Wow. And then she sat next to him, opened his briefcase. Uh-huh. She could see that there was what appeared to be a Something bomb. Something that looks bomb-like to her. Yeah. And then she went to the cockpit to tell the captain yeah. what's going on. And Wait, the, If I was a pilot, I might be like, is this lady in on it? <laughs> well, the captain, and the captain did confirm. He was like, did you see the bomb? And she's like, I saw it. It's for real. Yeah, yeah. And then she goes back. Okay. So, but this, at this time... The captain alerted the authorities, saying that all this stuff was going on, on, on you know, told the ground. Um, 
And also, the instructions were clear as to not alert the passengers. Cooper didn't want to alert them, and the captain didn't want to alert them. So yeah. they're, they're keeping it very hush-hush. As a matter of fact, later on in the story, you'll see that the passengers didn't really know what was going on until they got off, and they started getting interrogated by the FBI. Because they didn't know who it was. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know there was somebody with a bomb on the plane. And they also didn't, the police probably didn't know which one it was hit, who it was. They didn't know. If, well, they assumed. Oh, I guess the still, pilots might have told the description from. Yeah, the they they, they knew that he was still on the plane. Yeah, yeah. But they were like asking them, "Did you see anything? What did the guy look like? All that kind of thing." Um, and so it did take them a while to kind of get all these demands together. So Scott uh, told the passengers just to kind of not alert anybody because they had to circle for Who's a while. Scott? He's the uh, captain. Oh, the captain. So they had to circle for a while because this was taking time to get the money, the and parachutes. The fire, I mean, the gas truck and all that. Because it, it was only a 30-minute flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what Scott did, he made an announcement saying that minor mechanical issues were causing them to hold. After that time, they landed in Seattle. This was to give the FBI more time to secure Cooper's demands. During the hold flight to Seattle, Cooper remained calm, and he was polite, and Cooper even remarked out the window to the flight crew, Looks like Tacoma down there. So he knew the area. So they weren't landing. Well, he knew where they were. He wasn't just like... And a lot of people think that this might come into play later, that he might have had military experience, because he commented on the military base that was down there. So people uh, think that he might have been ex-military. So wait, so wait. When they were landing, he said that looks like Tacoma? Well, when they were flying over Washington on their way to Seattle, he was like, oh, that looks like Tacoma. Oh. He was just... Carrying on conversation. Oh, said that to the flight attendant? Yeah, he was just carrying on conversation with them. He was being polite. He wasn't being... Oh, I see. He didn't seem stressed out. Uh, Tina Mucklow, another member of the air crew, remarked uh, about Cooper, quote, he seemed rather nice. <laughs> uh, Cooper even went so far... I mean, and this... if you're going to commit a crime, may as well do it with a smile. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cooper even went as far as to pay his drink tab. He paid for all of his drinks in cash, offered a tip to the crew... And even offered to buy them dinner. I mean, it's nice, but at the same time, no, because you're technically risking everyone's lives. But, I'm not going to take your tip. But the point that I would make is this doesn't seem like a hardened criminal. He seemed cool and collected. Yeah. Or that's the true sign of a psychopath. Yeah. You go, you're like, you know, you're so psycho that you just don't even realize and you're just being normal. I view it There's as... someone who kills someone but doesn't have any response to it. I don't think he ever intended, I think he probably just had flares. I don't think he ever intended to blow anything up. Yeah, probably not. And See, this I, is ro it's just a robbery. It's a robbery. I don't think he ever, I don't think there was a bomb, like an actual bomb. Yeah. I think that, because people have commented, investigators have commented later, that due to the color of them, because um, I guess they were like a bright red. So people commented. it's like a darker. Yeah, yeah. So people commented that, that they think that he just had road flares. Probably. And like, they just saw a quick look inside and yeah, they were like yeah. oh it's a bomb yeah also you never know what's a bomb you don't know yeah they just bomb maker this flight like the the flight attendants didn't don't know what a bomb they were just like oh that looks like a bomb and so this guy says he has a bomb yeah so the fbi meanwhile was busy with cooper's demands uh asking the airline northwest orient airlines if they'd like to pay which they almost immediately agreed to they didn't want a tragedy on their hands, and I assume the bad press that went along with it. The FBI secured the money from several Seattle... So the airline paid for it? Yeah, because it was a ransom. I thought the government was supposed to get it. They had to secure it for the airline, but the airline paid the ransom. Wow. 
because they didn't want. The, I oh, mean, this is at, this is not the two. This is the two hundred thousand. Yeah, this is the two hundred thousand dollars. So the okay. airline paid the ransom. Yeah. The FBI secured the money from several Seattle area banks and quickly documented the bills with microfilm. Should the money return to circulation? So they. Oh, they did tag it. It was marked. It wasn't marked, but each bill has an identifying. Ever all money has like an identifying number on That's it. That's what I thought a mark was. They like, how else is it marked? You have it has a serial number. Well, this way they didn't mark the bills with anything. They just made note of the numbers. Exactly. They how took did they do that? Microfilm. They took pictures of all the of that all the must money. Must have taken forever. It just went through like a machine and they took oh, pictures. Oh, just of like it. scanned it real fast. Yep. Holy so crap! So this way they would know. When and where Cooper spent the money, and like a, fl- a flag comes up if it's spent, because that gets that yeah. number gets entered in. Like if it goes to a bank, they would see that. Okay, we're looking for twenty dollar bills that have these serial numbers. Wow. And they'd be like, okay, we got them. We we know that he was in this area, wherever. Yeah. Wow. So the plan landed a little after five thirty. So it was in the air for three hours. For for a half an hour flight, they had that much fuel. They had to keep. Well, yeah, it was a passenger jet, so they had enough. I guess fuel. I guess they have enough, but like when you're only going a half an hour flight, I didn't think you'd over. I guess you fuel up all the way. Yeah, so it was delayed longer. To People get the, must have been getting antsy on that plane. But they just said that there were mechanical issues and they couldn't <sighs> land right away. Three-hour flight when you think it's going to be a half an hour, that's I would go crazy. So they eventually land. The plane taxied into a well-lit area, and this I thought was interesting of Cooper. Cooper told the staff to shut the shades, thinking he was what he he was thinking one step ahead. They're going to snipe him. Because they knew what seat he was in? As soon as they, yeah. So he asked them to close all the shades so they couldn't get That's a look at it. That's smart. I would have thought that. So he was one step ahead there. Once the money and the parachutes uh, were on board, so they brought somebody out. They gave the money and the parachutes to one of the flight crew, brought him on board. Cooper instructed the passenger, or instructed the pilot that he could release the passengers. So the passengers all exited the plane. And it was only at this time that the passengers started putting two and two together. Once deboarded, the passengers learned of the danger that they were in. FBI agents quickly began interviewing witnesses on the ground. An interesting note, Cooper rejected the military parachutes in favor of uh, civilian ones with manual ripcords. So a lot of people think that Cooper was an experienced skydiver because military parachutes are meant to, you jump out of the plane. And it does it on its own. Does it automatically. A civilian ripcord, you can go low yeah, yeah. and pull the ripcord. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people think that he was a pretty experienced skydiver for this reason. Yeah, to know that. That he saw it and was like, I don't want the military ones. I want the civilian ones. Go yeah. get me those. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he got those. And uh, during refueling, Cooper discussed with the flight crew his plans. And he agreed to even cooperating with the crew to come up with a plan. They would fly out of Seattle, stopping in Reno to refuel on the way to Mexico City. So Cooper told them that he was going to Mexico. Yeah. But we'll see in a second. That is not the case. Cooper's supposed final destination after being informed that the 727 would need to refuel at least once along the way. This particular aircraft's range was about 1,000 miles, so it would need to stop for fuel sometime during the trip. So around 7.30, they got word from the tower that they could finally depart. So everyone was off. He was on there with the flight attendant, or the flight attendant's leave, or was it just flight? It, most of the flight crew and the pilots were still on board. He needs his hostages, apparently, according to his story. Yeah, I think it was, it was one member of the flight crew and the pilots. Okay. So a member of the flight crew was still on board. The rest of them had gotten off. And, and that's the pilots. four parachutes. Could be, yeah. That's pilot. He needed to have four people on the plane. Right. So his story was legit. So they eventually depart, and uh, one thing. So Cooper had instructed the pilots to fly at around 10,000 feet 
with an airspeed of no more than 200 miles per hour with the aft rear stairwell open. The pilots, however... So this is after they've been flying for a little bit? This is when they're taking off. This is when they're about oh, to take off. he wanted it open when they were taking off? Right. And then the pilots said that they couldn't do that as it could start a fire, but they could open it in flight. Yeah. Which is better Cooper, because you don't want the FBI seeing that, I would think. Exactly. So the well, they couldn't do it because if the stairwell was down, it would, have sparks it would cause sparks and exactly. could blow up the plane. So but I don't, I'm surprised he even wanted it down from the beginning. That would give away that he's planning on jumping out or whatever he's about to do. I th- I think with the parachutes, they knew he was going to jump out. Yeah. So I don't know if he. I, I was thinking maybe they're thinking he wants them in case we shoot him down or something. I don't think so. But uh, they Cooper talked to the crew. They worked it out. So they're going to fly at 10,000 feet, no more than 200 miles an hour. Um, The flaps were at an angle, so they were kind of down. So so he wouldn't get sucked up into the plane. Yeah, well, I think it's so it couldn't couldn't change its elevation at all. Yeah. And uh, they agreed that the rear stairwell at the very back of the plane is up for takeoff, but then they could lower it during flight. Yeah. So he agreed with that. So, and yeah, the wing flaps were fixed at 15 degrees, and the cabin was depressurized. So he wanted the cabin depressurized too. Yeah. So there wouldn't be a change in pressure if he, say, jumped out of the plane. Yeah. So one stewardess remained on board, who remained with Cooper until she was instructed to go into the cockpit and lock the door behind her, not to come out or else. So she's in there with the pilots. So yeah, she's in there with Cooper during takeoff, and then he says, go, go, in, go in there. She observed that while she was, she was looking at Cooper while she was going in, that Cooper was fastening something to his waist with a, he cut a bunch of cord off one of the parachutes, uh-huh. and she thinks that he was just fastening the money bag probably to himself because they found one of the parachutes after, and it was all he yeah. cut some of the cord off. Um, and then she locks herself in the cockpit. Around this time, two fighter jets have been scrambled to follow the plane closely, but the plane was going too slow enough that the fighter jets had a hard time keeping up because they can't go that slow. They can't go that slow. They had also scrambled. So they had to keep circling back. Yeah, and they couldn't get. The way that they were doing it is one above, one below, but it was also night, so they they were... Oh, it was nighttime. It was nighttime by this point, and they were keeping an eye on the plane to see if anybody jumped out, yeah. but because it was dark, they couldn't see anything. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't really matter. Jet? That's insane. So there were fighter jets scrambled from a nearby Air Force base that were following the plane to see what happened. Yeah. It was cold, raining, and dark, and a storm had come in. It was a storm, it was raining, it was dark... They're flying over the Seattle-Portland forest. So what happened next is insane. Sometime around 8 p.m., the aft stairwell warning light came on. The crew radioed to Cooper asking if he needed assistance, to which they received the final ever known words uttered by D.B. Cooper. No. (laughs) Shortly after, the tail section of the cabin sustained a sudden motion requiring navigational adjustment. Was that him jumping out? Well, it was either turbulence, or more likely, a man dressed in a dark black suit (laughs) and loafers carrying $200,000, leaping from a passenger aircraft at 10,000 feet into the freezing cold, dark, stormy night into the the forest of the Pacific Northwest to an uncertain fate. (laughs) Into the lap of luxury. Now... Rich life. I will note... How much is $200,000 from the 70s? It's over a million dollars. Over a million dollars. Subsequent searches 
no DB Cooper. I will also note that they weren't because so, it, yeah, I was gonna say what happened to him. No, so, they, they never found him. They never found him. So wow, what they think this may, guy knows what he's doing. So I will just say before we get into the suspects here, I am of the mindset. This is my theory, and. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll save my theory because I don't want to. I, I want to hear what your a theory. Good plan. I want to hear your theory at the end. I will also point out that DB Cooper, whether he died or he got away, because it was a storm in the middle of the night, they didn't start. The FBI didn't start the actual search until the following morning. Well, so he had a whole night. Yeah, he had a good head uh, head start. But I mean, he he could have died. It was cold. They would have found him eventually. That's the see. Here's the thing that a I whole parachute and everything. Here's the thing that I find suspicious. They've only ever found, and we'll get into it, but they've only ever found two things. They found a sign, which was like the warning sign from the rear stairwell. So when he opened it, that flew off. Uh They did find that. Wow. They found that, but they didn't find him or the parachute. Right. And then a few years later, they found some money in a riverbank. So some came out. Well, uh, a family was camping and the kid was digging around and he found 5,000 bucks. Oh my god. And it was money matched up to Did that. Did they get to keep it? They got to keep some of it, yeah. Some of it. I wish they kept all of it. But because it probably got known because of the serial numbers. How long ago was that? That this was uh in 1980. So they didn't find it until 9 years nine later. 9 years later. Yeah. Wow. So if we are of the mindset, they didn't get corroded or I mean they didn't get like It, it was it was pretty decomposed. wet. It was pretty decomposed by them, but they they were able to match it up. Wow. Now if we were of the mindset that D.B. Cooper, and I, 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 I will just say it. I will just say it. I, I don't want this to influence your judgment. I'm of the mindset that he did get away with it. And if we are of the mindset that he did get away with it, I believe I have narrowed it down to three suspects. Oh. And I'd like you to tell me, if you were of the same mindset, I'll, I'll read you a little bit about each one. Okay. And then you tell me whether or not, first of all, you think he survived. Uh-huh. And then if you think it was one of these three. All so right. the first one is Richard McCoy, the real McCoy. Uh, is that who that is based on? No, but that's just like oh. there, there was a book written about him called The Real McCoy. Oh, because is that where that phrase came from? No, it, it was oh, prior okay. to that. So Richard McCoy, a former Green Beret helicopter pilot who does look like the sketch, and I will post pictures of he this looks on like Discord. Standard brown-haired man. He looked like him. He looked like him, and I'll post pictures on the uh, on the Unbelievable Mysteries Discord so you can look at these pictures. McCoy is on a top list of suspects for being DB Cooper. FBI agents at the time thought that he, many FBI agents at the time were like, I think this is him, this could have been him. Uh, Interesting to note that McCoy committed an almost identical skyjacking only months later in Colorado. Someone did the same thing? He did the same thing. Using an unloaded handgun and a paperweight grenade prop. And he successfully parachuted out of the same type of aircraft, same crime, he was arrested. Only when did this guy get caught? In what part of the process? Do you he know? jumped out of the plane. They caught him. And they after... found him when he landed on the ground. Yeah. Oh. And not only that, he was arrested, put in prison, and using a garbage truck, smashed the wall of a prison and escaped to federal prison. What? This dude is a movie. Wait, wait. So this guy, possibly a whole new person, Richard McCoy. R- Richard McCoy did a copycat. Did the same thing. Heist. Made it. Got, well, landed, got caught. And then escaped prison. And then escaped prison. A federal prison. This guy's amazing. And he's a for, he's Rambo. He's a former Green Beret. This guy deserves to not be in prison. Let him have the money. 
and that takes ingenuity. So he escaped. How did he get out? Is it how someone rammed. He, the dro- he drove a garbage truck through the prison, from inside or outside. So so someone drove it in for him. Yeah. Well, he he ended up escaping. So it was like skunky cousin drove a truck into the wall it was him and a couple other i think they stole i'll I'll have to look it up but i I think either way that's if i remember correctly a whole other episode on its own before i get misquoted here i believe he stole the garbage truck and they escaped that way okay um dang so and then later on three months later in virginia beach he died in a shootout with fbi agents guns blazing after he escaped prison? After so he, he escaped out prison. for a few months? Three months. Three months. And then he died in a shootout with the FBI. This guy's life. Holy crap. That is a movie. Just that guy alone. Right. And uh, some interesting things to note. Fingerprints from this from the second hijacking, the copycat, did match. This is how they were able to catch him. He left fingerprints on the plane and they matched it with his military fingerprints. Uh, but they did not match on the D.B. Cooper case because D.B. Cooper was careful. Yeah. So being a war hero and former Green Beret, McCoy seemed much more prepared than Cooper. He asked for a helmet, a jumpsuit, wind airspeed instrument readings prior to jumping so he would know exactly what was going on. Mm. And he clearly knew what he was doing here. But he still got caught. He still got caught. (laughs) Cooper seemed like he had some military experience, but maybe not as much as McCoy, at least not given the evidence. However... McCoy's family supposedly ID'd the tie and Mother of Pearl tie clip as McCoy's. From the first guy? They ID'd some evidence that was left behind on the first one as, as saying, yeah, that was that was his. But how many guys had that kind of stuff That's the thing. I, I will, I, and that's what I'm just about to say. Menswear. And I will say this was a common tie at the time purchased at JCPenney. Yeah, no, I don't buy it. Could it be a massive coincidence? Oh, you know what I think. When do these people say this? They were showing the evidence after. After the second guy? Yeah. This, is this, this isn't after he died in the shootout? It was after, yeah. After he was dead? Yeah. I, you know why I think they said that? I think they were trying to cash in. To cover up for him. Yep, he's dead. He's gone. That was his from the first one. He did both of these. It could Don't be. look for him anymore. It could be. I mean, that's, that's what I would think because I don't think he was that guy. McCoy also refused to admit whether or not, whether he was or wasn't Dan Cooper. They asked him. He refused to admit anything. Because he doesn't... Now... I, I think he wouldn't say because he wasn't him. So and this is going to be a... Co- this will be a common thread. There's another guy. Oh, my another God. Another guy. So Rob- three suspects. Now there's Robert... Who Rack- was the first one again? This is Richard McCoy. Richard McCoy was... You only read to me one? That's one. Oh, gosh. Now there's Robert... Now there's Robert Rackstraw. Robert Rackstraw... Another former Special Forces helicopter oh my pilot. Oh god, these guys. And Robert Rackstraw, adrenaline junkie war hero. They're all war heroes. He was that in are v- bored because they're not shooting people. He was in Vietnam, heavily decorated. He did tons of daring helicopter rescues and stuff. Super decorated. Also, a notorious criminal. Gosh, they all are. Rackstraw is another they just potential. Kill. Yeah, Rackstraw is another potential suspect in the Dan Cooper mystery. Rackstraw was also on the suspect list at the time, and he did bear a physical resemblance to Cooper too. A former U- a former U.S. Army codebreaker, brown-haired white man who was in the army. Sounds like yeah. all of them. He that's the thing is that D.B. Cooper had a lot, like he looked like a lot of other people. Yeah. So and this is something interesting: an independent investigation in the 2000s, uh, done by a journalist and a former U.S. Army codebreaker 
decoded some letters released from the FBI archives, supposedly from Cooper, uh, and after these were declassified, this former army codebreaker came to the conclusion that the letters contained uh, that the letters contained ciphers indicating it was Rackstraw who wrote the letters and was in fact Cooper. It contained information like his initials and his military unit IDs, his special forces unit IDs. And this is conversations between the between this suspect between no 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 FBI. between this journalist and an, and an army codebreaker. Oh. Using letters supposedly written by D.B. Cooper uh -huh. after the skyjacking. Oh, who were these letters to? Like the FBI, the media. Oh. They just, were just letters. Just to say things. Just like, to say, like I did statement. it. I did it. Yeah. Um, so if one is to believe that so it was Rackstraw, so if one is to believe it is Rackstraw, it is also said that he was a CIA asset and the FBI shut down its investigation into Rackstraw once it reveals who and what he actually was. Supposedly during Vietnam, he ran off the books uh, supply drops for the CIA and had heavy CIA connections. Hmm. So, and something else that was interesting of note, Rackstraw trained helicopter pilots for the Shah of Iran in the late 1970s before coming back to the US. Is it possible that he was a CIA asset at the time and this cleared him of any charges because he was a suspect and then he was cleared. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, possibly. I wouldn't be surprised. He was also charged with various crimes of which he was either acquitted or received light sentences. His own sister claimed that uh, Rackstraw was a war hero who was disillusioned and, disillusioned and angry after being discharged from the army. Could he be Dan Cooper? He had the training, the ability, and possibly the get out of free the get out of jail free card from the U.S. He had connections with the CIA from Vietnam and could have still been an asset. According to an FBI source, he even matched nine points of identification from Rackstraw to the 1971 sketch. He also never denied being Cooper. The only potentials for him not being Cooper, in my opinion, um, and this is just my opinion, is that a According to the sketch at the time and the eyewitnesses, they said that Cooper was in his 40s. But Rackstraw at the time was in his late 20s. At the Rackstraw was only in his 20s? At the time of this. At the time of the skyjacking. He did a lot in his 20s. Well, he was in the army for 10 years. He was... From when he went, what, what, 15? Well, 18 until he was like, you know, 10 years or whatever. Wow. Um, also, I will point out that they did say that, or at least some people have said that they think that Cooper was wearing makeup. So could it have been somebody wearing makeup to make themselves look well, they older? Think Cooper, the original guy, was wearing makeup? They think he was wearing makeup to like, kind of be a disguise. Like change his eyebrow color or something? They yeah. also think he was possibly, if it, if it was not Rackstraw or McCoy, it could have been, so this is the other guy. There's another guy that I think it could have possibly been. But there was been. only one copycat crime, right? There's only one, well, there, no, there were many skyjackings at the time, but this is like the closest oh. one. The third suspect I have on my list is Kenneth Christensen. Another war veteran, he was older. He was a World War II veteran, so he was in his 40s. And when did this one happen? This is the same. The, oh, same time. So this is just a time. person, sorry. Another suspect. I keep thinking they're all copying. But he was older. He had been a World War II veteran, so he more clearly matches the older description of Cooper being mm. an older individual. He was also a former U.S. Army paratrooper. Mm. So he had the training. He worked for Northwest Airlines, the airline that was skyjacked, um, 
and photos have surfaced of him with similar attire as to what Cooper was wearing. And most compelling, he bought a house shortly after the skyjacking. Where in Washington? Uh, I forget where or he was from. I think it, I think he was. I think he was from. I think he was from Washington. And on his deathbed, he also told his brother, "Quote: There is something you should know, but I cannot tell you." Wow. On his deathbed. Spooky. After his death, family members found a cache of gold coins, a valuable stamp collection, and newspaper clippings of NWA, the same airline that was uh, skyjacked. Oh, NWA, man, they've had a hard, a hard existence. I know. That stops around the same time as the skyjacking. So we had all these clips of uh, Northwest Orient Airlines, and then the clippings just stopped around the time of the skyjacking. So he was like studying them or something. Study, possibly. Yeah. So hmm. he is an example of somebody who more matches the description, had the skill set, and worked for NWA, and would have had the knowledge of the aircraft. Uh, regardless of who you think did it, what you believe, did Cooper die? The FBI officially closed the case in 2016 and are of the mindset. Wow, that long. It just kept, because they did, it was Only on. a couple it, of years ago. It just kept. Yeah, I mean, it just kept it kept it kept going. I mean, it wasn't they weren't really investigating hard. It yeah, was just it's like just like well, we didn't close this. They yet. gave it to like the new guy. They're like, hey, new guy, you're in charge of the. Yeah, Cooper. see what you can figure out. Yeah. Wow. So, whether or not you're in you're you're in the mindset of did he survive? Did he die in the jump? Uh, it he is, definitely survived. I think. I, I mean, it is interesting to note that Cooper was only wearing a suit and overcoat and jumped into unknown terrain due to cloud cover, a storm. And it was at night into freezing temperatures. Various artifacts, like a sign from the aft stairwell um, and the, the money found by this eight-year-old boy were found, but to date, the Dan Cooper, D.B. Cooper, remains the only unsolved skyjacking in U.S. history. That's awesome. So do you, what, do you, what do you think? Uh, I think it's super tight, A. Eh? Uh, I love a good heist. Um, glad no one got hurt, it seems, right? Well, I mean, if 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 Cooper did die... Well, him, but I mean, the guy Cooper. doing it, that doesn't really matter. But the other, there's no innocent harm done. No, there was no collateral damage. Collateral damage, yeah. So I think the guy definitely got away. I mean, this guy probably had a pretty good plan for every step. Yeah. He knew probably I could land in this big of an area. I'll, if I land somewhere in here, I'll go here. I'll get on this boat that I have. I'll do this. I got to get to this point. Then I'll get in this car. I, I think he had a lot planned out. I think the only thing that was the mess up was some of the money came out maybe when he was coming down and it ripped like a bag open or whatever when he hit a branch. Like That's speed. why some money came out. Like speed where they blow up his money. Yeah. I think he had, ran into Sandra Bullock somewhere in the woods, lost Keanu some cash. Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. And then uh, I think he got away with it. Uh, for, uh, for suspects, if it was one of those three people... Yeah, I don't that, know if I really think it is one of them, but if it is one of them, if I had to choose, I would pick the last guy. Kenneth Christensen. He's, it's in my opinion, the age makes the most sense, the life, the career, and if I did something like that, I wouldn't tell anyone my entire life. And I wouldn't want to get anyone else in trouble in my family somehow, because you don't know what the government would do and take away a house from someone if they... If they find, if like I told my brother or whatever when I'm dying, it was me, and then he knows, and somehow someone heard that. But what if he was just talking? But what if he? he, What if he was just him saying, "I have something to tell you. 
I took the last Gatorade. Then I'd be freaking ticked. <laughs> but nothing I can do about it at that point. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And, and like, and don't do your own research, anybody listening at home. The FBI literally had a thousand suspects. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. These are three, these are three, all three of these men were on the suspect list. Yeah, yeah. All three, very, like, two of Did them. They get questioned and stuff? They, yeah, they were all on the suspect list. I mean, McCoy and Rackstraw were, one was a Green Beret, one was a CIA. They're both helicopter pilots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenneth Christensen was they a paratrooper. Or not even, not necessarily. No, not, not necessarily in that area, but yeah. like. But the fact that that one guy bought the house, that's like, I mean, I think that's a mistake. So I even, that's why I think if it, I, I possibly think it wasn't that guy because I don't think that guy's stupid enough. And he worked for the airline. Like that's, yeah. he, he's gonna, you're gonna go to this whole elaborate plan and do this whole thing to rob it. And then you're just gonna, I mean, A, I think, okay, so I think, the reason you get the idea is because you do work for the airline. You see the right. errors, the flaws, the loopholes, and the things you can get through. You, know, you can see all the how, how you can take advantage of this system or the situation because you work for them. So you're building this plan in your head the whole time. So I think that's, it, yes, he could have worked there and that's what gave him the reason. I also see that's a big mistake to, to do when you work for that airline or any airline. It makes you a, sub, a target. but. He's th- he, if he wants to do this, he's not going to let that get in the way. He's still got to do it. Yeah, I'll become a suspect possibly, but if I pull it off right, it won't matter. But I think the big the thing that he could have controlled, which was a mistake, if it was him, was buying a house in that area that soon after. And that's the thing. I wouldn't have done that. So that's why I think it probably wasn't that guy. And that's the thing about it. He is might that- have just been obsessed with it, he worked for air, the airplane port, didn't he? Yeah. The airline. So and, why, and, it wasn't weird to have he has clippings. That's and the, the other thing is, is that they, they dug into him buying the house it's like he didn't use any money that was connected to it. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm sure he washed and got that money through some connection with some sketchy organization or whatever. Yeah, you re- get you work that money back into the system I somehow. I think I, I think I remember reading that. Like, he, can't you send it to another country and then have it come back as other types? I mean, of maybe. Currency? Yeah, I mean, bring that stuff to Sweden. I heard cash it in for kroners or whatever, then turn that back into cash. Something else that I heard that it was like interesting to me is that. It, it could have very well have just been like an adrenaline junkie. That too. That they weren't in it for the money. It could have been Point Break fans. They just, they didn't care about getting the money. But regardless of, regardless of what you believe, and these are just three suspects. I mean, there's literally, for, and what I'm saying about these three, for everything that makes you think that one of these three could have been the suspect, there's also like things you know, they, they had alibi. There were things that made them not, yeah, the FBI so not take them seriously. That's why they weren't committed or uh, so convicted. On the surface, all three of these guys that I listed, these are just three of like the top suspects. Yeah, yeah. They all had the, the ability, they all had the training, but did they do it? It's like the FBI cleared all of them. Yeah. And I think at this point, you'll never know. And the FBI did, their official statement is that they think that even if Cooper did survive, they think that he landed somewhere in the Pacific Northwest woods, which are really dense. Those are some of the most dense forests oh, in the yeah, country. Yeah. They think that he landed, it was a storm, it was freezing, and he died of exposure. But where did he, he didn't find bones anywhere? Didn't they do a thorough search? But that's the thing, those forests are so dense that like you can't easily get to them. Like you can't get vehicles to them. So it's very- He must have thought about this. But that's the thing is like where- Was there a way to like, if, so say you hit a dirt bike in the woods out there, you know? Is there a way to get 
in the in the 70s like a radar or a beacon system that he could have had on him to find I that dirt bike. They didn't have GPS. They back didn't then, have so stuff like that, or like a radio no. version of it. And he also like seemed sonar thing or something. He also seemingly just ju- like he jumped out into cloud cover in a storm. There's no way he knew where he was gonna where he was gonna yeah, land. He just jump and hope for the best. He just jumped and hoped for the best. Whereas but like he might have known a little bit, like knowing okay, we've been in the air this long. We left the airport at this time. We're going this direction. If the guy was smart, he might know an, an, an uh, you know estimate of where he is. It's possible. I mean, I, I think there is a good possibility he's dead. I choose to believe because I think this guy planned it out that he landed. He had a plan. I mean, and, and what, the fact that the plane moved that much when he jumped, yeah, he had a lot of weight on him then. Even 200 pounds. I mean, he out. was a 180 pound man. With 180 pound man, and how much is 200 thousand dollars weigh? Like 50 pounds. 50, yeah, maybe it's 50 not that pounds much or something. Weight. The whole plane moved. I think he had camping supplies on him too. Like maybe a collapsible. Like, no, it, stove like, it's not. Po- it's not possible. He didn't have any supplies. He didn't have anything in his briefcase with him. Other it was than the bomb. bomb. It was just the bomb. He and had he was wearing him. a suit. Hmm. That's the like in the interviews that what I if see, he was wearing some long johns or something underneath. That's too. something that I heard is that he could have been wearing stuff under the suit. Yeah. But didn't they say it was oversized suit? It was that just was, a it was just a cheap dark suit. I thought you had said oversized. He was wearing a, he was wearing an overcoat. Overcoat. But he was also like he parachuted into the woods wearing loafers. What month was this? Uh, it was Thanksgiving. It was oh, no, it, so it's November. Cold. November in the Northwest is already pretty cold. And it was during a storm. He jumped into freezing rain. Yeah. So that's why I think there is a chance he could be dead, but I think this guy's, a, when you have that much determination, like I get, nothing's going to stop me from doing things I want. Yeah. I've had really hard ships doing things in the woods, like carrying a huge log super far. It's actually like hurting my body and right. I'm bleeding now. And I've done things where I'm not wearing shoes and I have like a glass in my foot, but I'm still walking because I got to make it out of the woods. I've had those situations and you just like, you do not stop. I think that yeah. guy was freaking pumped worked up and he made it out of there and he probably had some person a forest master a forest a master it probably got his weird cousin who's a forest master in the woods to like get him out of there someone was yeah. in there you never know i mean that's the whole thing about he could this. have shot a flare up his forest master saw it went and picked him up on a dirt bike yeah i mean it's possible i think at this point and if they were flares holy crap i just solved the case that's how he got his forest master to find him. It wasn't dynamite. He threw his flare in the air. I mean, that's true. They didn't. Well, when he jumped out, maybe I guess the jet pirates didn't see that, but he could have very well done that while dropping, held it while parachuting. I mean, I don't know. This so is here this, I am, this, this is a reach right here. I don't, hey man, four flares to look like dynamite. That that is your way out with all the other people yeah. on the ground who are helping you. I mean, yeah, maybe it's like that's, that's what I would do. That's possible. But so re- next time you hear about a plane jacking, and it definitely wasn't me, that's what I would do. <laughs> well, because of because of cases like this, you can cases like this attributed to the rise of the TSA. Yeah. So if you ever if this. if you're ever waiting in line and people are scanning your shoes or whatever in TSA, you can blame DB Cooper. You know, I got a little story for you. You know that shoe bomber guy? Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's another another thing. Post 9/11, that yeah. guy, like uh-huh. the reason now you take your shoes off right or people do if you don't also if you guys didn't know you can pay $80 for 10 years to never have to take your shoes off and just because you go through you, TSA pre yeah you can get pre-check which I did for $80 which proves you're not a criminal yeah they makes well, no sense well they do a background check but, but they don't know what I'm planning on doing in the future well <laughs> like, they do a foreground check 
Yeah, that's true. So that's like, I don't know why it's even a thing, but whatever it is. So anyway, the reason they do that is because that shoe bummer, when that happened, you remember Michelle Murphy, my old girlfriend uh-huh. from when I was like 20? Her uncle, who I saw like all the time because I was over at her house. And was she the shoe bummer? Uncle, he was the guy who got him. Oh, really? And he's the one. He was an airport cop or On whatever? the cover of all the newspapers, sitting there with the handcuffs next to him in the cop Wow. Car. That was Michelle's uncle. Who I like would add barbecues at his house all the time. He caught the freaking shoe bomber. That's cool. <laughs> Insane. I was like, what? I Your mean, Uncle Steve. <laughs> you gotta you gotta put Steve in the case of DB Cooper. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I was at the guy's house all the time, and then I, he's in the newspaper as, yep, he got him. <laughs> it's like we I got. Mean, I know it's like a whole team, but he I was got like, him. He was like the cop who was the one arresting the shoe bomber. Wow, that's because a good story. He was like a head of whatever department that. Got yeah, like because TSA it was the Boston right? police and all that. It was like the transit yeah. authority or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that, it was in Boston, right? I mean, it must have been. I think so. Because that's where we lived, and that's where he lived. I think it was the transit authority. At he that was time. in like Halifax or whatever. I also fact checked. Uh, this is just a callback. Dan Cooper, or not Dan Cooper, but uh, Richard McCoy, did escape from prison, commandeered a garbage truck, and drove it through the main gate. Who? The Green Beret, the guy at the beginning. When he escaped from prison, he stole a garbage truck and drove it through the main gate of the federal prison. Yeah, that was crazy. That So that, there needs to be a movie made about that guy and starring The Rock. He got away with or it. Or me, or Jason Statham. I mean, he, he accomplished... Yeah, that's like, insane. He was a Green Beret. You could get away with a lot of stuff in the 70s. And he was a Green Beret. He wasn't just like a regular guy. He, he was, was The Rock. He was a Vietnam Green Beret. Yeah, yeah, he's an action figure. That's crazy. And, and this story is amazing. I love this whole It's thing. a crazy story. I, you know, I... I'm glad it wasn't spooky. It's not spooky. I mean, it's a mystery because I, I think at this point, it's been it's been so long that mo- the the suspect, if he was still alive, is probably dead. Yeah. Um, or he died in the woods of exposure, or he died in the fall, which is also very... Po- that's the FBI's position, is that he died... He either died in the fall, yeah. or when he landed, he yeah. died in the forest or whatever. I mean, there's a high chance he died. I just like to think he didn't, because I think this guy was very well prepared. It's a more romantic notion to think that like Rambo jumped out of a, a plane and stole... Yeah. It's a better movie. It's a Yeah, it's a better movie. Yeah. But yeah, this story is crazy, and it remains the only unsolved skyjacking so cool. in U.S. history. I like that. It's a crazy story. Yeah, the money never got spent then, huh? No, the only money they ever found was... Was that 5000 bucks? That eight-year-old kid in Portland somewhere, found, or Washington, crazy. was on vacation with his dad, digging around in this riverbank and found cash imagine that you're in these got you're camping and your kid it's like oh there's a thousand dollars you think oh great where's the body it's gonna wash up somewhere it was just this decaying money and then they traced it back to you know db cooper and yeah this case was still going on up until they were still they they had it open years ago they had it open until 2016 that's insane and they the fbi did make a statement it was i'm paraphrasing but it's something along the lines of if you if somebody finds like the parachute or the money Mm bring it to them and they're going to reopen the case or whatever. So basically, if you find out who did it, yeah. if you have definitive proof that somebody did it, and that's the other thing is like, you know, there were things like those letters that were sent after. Mm-hmm. It's like those weren't confirmed or denied to have actually been from Cooper. And were, that could have just, there's always, when stuff like this happens, everyone hears about it and people are like, oh, I did it, I did it because they want to be famous this, or they just want to take credit for being a cool criminal yeah. and then people could send out their own letters just to mess with the police and to feel right. cool. This case was big news at the time. And that's why I think that other guy who did the copycat thing he just wasn't probably, him. 
I think it just put a ton of ideas in people's heads and like, oh, I can do that. I'm I think a, that I that to the army too. I, I think that this. guy heard it and was like, huh? Yeah, that's on easy. He's like, I could definitely do that. Exactly. That's, and then he that's did. What it. I think happened. Right. I don't think it was him. Well, he's think, the least per- the person I think the least of as being a suspect. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will say that that it's like too convenient to pin it on him. Uh huh. But it's a good, st- regardless of what you believe and who you think did it. If you think he died or not, it's a good story. Yeah, super good. Uh, well, thanks for being here today. Is oh, there, thank you for having me. Is there is there anything you'd like to plug? What do you have <laughs> oh, coming up on your podcast? Why do you ask me? Because I, too, am a podcast master now. I wow. have my... I, I want to say new, but it's not new because I did it on as a live stream series before on YouTube. But now I think it, it makes more sense on podcast form here on anchor or itunes or wherever you're listening podcasts are just fun man they are fun they're fun and easy and er literally every single living soul i know has a podcast and i've always wanted to do my own and this has been i've actually had done live streams i've done chats with people on message boards and in comments for years i say to people (laughs) what the heck kind of podcast can i do that i would enjoy grave stories giving me ideas it's hard to do like what we're doing right now to get like a lot of guests. Like, yeah, we can do it because we're friends and it's easy. And right. We also live in the same house. But especially during Corona right now, it's even harder. Like all these friends who have podcasts, it's like they have to constantly schedule guests. And I'm like, I can't do that. It's too yeah. much work on top of everything else. What can I just talk about? And my, one of my favorite podcasts, and possibly the only one I actually listen to, because I listen to some, but like that one I listen to the most is Lore. And Lore is guy, great. The yeah. guy does tons of research, super high quality right. podcasts. He puts a lot of effort into it. And he writes his own scripts based on factual information. Right. And it's very satisfying to listen to the work he's put into this and then like hear these cool stories about f- spooky historical stuff. A lot of it has to do with ghosts. This is my long-winded rant that's going to lead into my own plug. But because of that, and I like because I like spooky stuff and I love ghost stories, it hit me when you were putting your podcast on this. And I was like, oh my gosh. I should just do ghosts, my grave stories. It makes sense. And put it on here. So what my plan is now is I've started it and I was a former grave digger and I'm going with that theme of like a grave digger reads grave stories. So I'm reading real actual ghost stories from people, firsthand accounts. I read like two stories a podcast, but it's not just that. It's going to also be me like doing what you just did, researching a subject about like a missing kid or a missing lady, whatever, missing some person from like the 1800s or just old stuff and it won't be it's gonna be a little more free form than like lore because i just i'm doing too much but yeah i have a podcast so check it out sorry i did a half an hour promo right there grave stories from a grave digger yes and you can find it on all your places you find things great sounds sounds like sounds like we're providing uh we're providing some podcasts yes and then Jeff is our, my brother's doing. Oh, he's going to do too. it too. He's going to do my own brother. So that's going to. So we're going to do my own brother on there, and then he's going to also do his thing alone. I forget what he ca- is calling. I think it. he calls it like into the unknown or something about like the things that I don't understand. What was it? it was like weird to me or something? I don't. It's, Mysteries to me. It's like. Or I, did he change that title? I think he's doing that, which is he did it once on YouTube, right? Yeah, and his thing is so. Um, I, I've done, I tried doing video podcasts, which are fun, but I I like the idea of doing a show like this. That's like coast to coast and Seth and I, I think, think similarly, he wants to do audio, but he wants to do audio. And I did who knows, which was the first thing that was a very complicated thing to set up and and do. Adding video is too much. If you want a podcast, you got to just stick with the audio. If you're not also making other videos. 
Exactly. And, you can't uh, do a video podcast plus other videos. There's just no time in the day. And no, audio podcast is, and, eliminates a lot of work. And when we tried doing Who Knows, it was like somebody had to run the switcher. It required a lot of equipment. Something like this, I think, is just... I think it's a better uh, art form to like... You write a script, you talk about something, you have guests on sometimes, yeah. and all this it, sort of thing. It is exciting too, because everything's video now. You watch everything. What, everything is videos, clips all over. Every There's something nice app. about an old timey story. That's what's exciting about it. And the reason I like listening to lore and whatever podcast I listen to, I listen to them on a road trip and I go, oh, yeah. I'm driving to Las Vegas. I got four hours. I'm just going to listen the whole way and I'm going to catch up in the past six months yeah. of this show. And I get actually excited to do it. So I know and you I'll, learn something. It's you like, learn tons of stuff. You find out all these intriguing facts, and I don't. Know, it's just a neat thing to do. So it's like I don't have any other time to do this. It's perfect to do it in the car right now, and it's also a good way to kind of like relax and listen to like just the person talking. Yeah. Instead or of like a listen. lot of noise and a lot of sensory overload. I mean, I feel like a lot of people who watch the stuff that we make together, it is a lot of sensory overload. Exactly. So it's <laughs> nice to have this little break of just like just voices. That's it. Yeah, it's just us. I mean, and, and that's the whole thing. I think Seth, Seth will be a little more lighthearted. I like to get into more like. Yeah, you investigate. I investigate. Seth likes, you know, like, with like Mel, he likes talking about like Mel's hole and like mysteries that are kind of, they're more in the lighthearted sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The funnier ones. The he funnier loves, ones. He loves coast to coast. I know, as, as do I, but I, I like going more into like this story, for example, like a, tr like a well, true. Well, yours leans more crime. towards like unsolved mysteries, the 80s show. His is more weird mysteries of the universe yeah 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 which is still gonna be awesome this and i'm like that got swap uh, some guy who got eaten by some guy who got some... turned into swamp thing or something yeah, <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but yeah i think you know all of this stuff is it, it's all of the supernatural weird realm so yeah it's funny uh, that all three of us are ended up going that route for i mean guests. i i think it, it's it, my way of getting that out of my system you don't like, like doing it as like a video per se everything else i do is like either comedy or like some sort of a i don't know film or music related yeah this is like a whole other thing i'm interested in and it's the best way to get it out of my system is to make this form of make it in right. a podcast i just like this type of like old timey yeah coast to coast I mean, radio everyone, you should have been a radio host since you were like a teenager so well if you're finally doing it, you came into your own I, I, I did it well true uh, tom is here true tom is here well thank you all for being here uh we'll be back with a i'm uh, trying to do this every friday so I'll be back with another unbelievable so funny. mystery. I always say you can't say the name of your own show. Tom does not say unbelievable Unbelievable. Mystery. He says on. O-N. Un unbelievable Your mouth mystery. will not make it you. Your mouth hates you. Your mouth hates you. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Thanks for being here. I hope everybody's enjoying their day. And if, if you've listened, if you still have... Seth's podcast or Nathan's podcast to listen to, cue it up and listen to it next. Yeah, leave a voice comment on this thing. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Leave a voice comment. And you can, Tom or I, whoever, if you leave it on anyone's podcast, we can add your voice clip into the podcast if you do that. So I urge people to do that on all of them. Exactly. Well, all right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody. Until next time, I've been your host, Tinfoil Tom, and until we meet again, take care and good luck. I'm counting on you to spread the truth. Mm -hmm.